Hello and welcome to Ominous Whispers, Season 1, Episode 3. My name is Vincent Rivera. Uh, Christian will be unavailable to join us uh, until further notice until he works out his schedule. The show contains adult content and listener's discretion is advised. In this show, we will discuss true crime stories, true paranormal stories, and just about anything creepy. From my own accounts, research, and listener submissions, these are the stories I will give anyone goosebumps. We'll start off with my own personal story. Uh, these events happened to me personally. For a little background in my downtime or when I get a little bored, I drive for a ride-sharing service in the Wichita, Kansas area for extra supplemental cash. It's important to know that I don't carry a firearm mace or any other defensive device should th- should things take a turn south. I should know better, I know. On one occasion, I had received a request from a passenger a couple miles away from my location. Once I had arrived to pick him up, I could immediately tell he was a, of questionable character. The ride was quiet. I had my music turned down low, but not super low. It mainly served as background noise to fill in the awkward quietness when myself or a passenger didn't feel like talking. After maybe 10 minutes, we arrived to his destination. I pull up to the driveway and I turned around to discover that he fell asleep in my backseat. It took me a couple of times to get his attention and let him know we've arrived at his destination. He wakes up in a jolt and thanks me for waking him up and quote unquote, good looking out. He exits my car without further issue, but upon his exit, he's stumbling around and I can only assume he's under the influence of a mind altering substance. He comes around to the front of my car when he briefly loses his balance and uses the hood of my car to catch himself from falling on his face. Dude almost ate shit from my car. He continues to walk on his way and pulls out a firearm from out his hoodie pocket, mishandles it, puts it in his right hand and then puts it back into his hoodie pockets moments before he enters the residence. A short time later, I decided to call the authorities and advise them of a questionable individual mishandling a firearm at this address. I told him it's probably nothing, but it's, ru- it's worth ruling out. Another story of mine, a couple weeks later, on a separate occasion, I received another request from a passenger pickup at Wesley Medical Center. I parked across the street so I could call her and know her exact location so she doesn't have to walk to me. I don't like it when they have to walk to me. It's more convenient for them if I just drive up and park a few feet away from them. She answers the call and tells me where she is, and then I tell her I see her and that'll be there momentarily. She sounded completely normal over the phone, so I pull in and park in front of her, and she opens my backseat passenger door to get in. The first thing I notice is her stench. I can only assume that she hadn't showered in weeks. The mask that we're required to wear per rideshare policy even didn't help her stench. It didn't block out anything. Her destination, luckily, was only a couple miles away in the downtown district. The first thing she did was giggle at nothing and out of nowhere. Soon after, she started asking me weird questions like, why didn't they make Jesus gay? I didn't have a good answer. She continued on her rambled nonsensical speeches about Jesus, and the next thing she asked me was, 
do you trust people with cracked lips? I told her, I guess it doesn't matter. I have cracked lips myself. Who the hell cares? One of the last things she told me was how she wishes she wouldn't have seen the thing she's seen. And this one genuinely piqued my interest, so I asked, well, what do you see? She then responds with ghosts. She sees ghosts. By this time, we've already arrived at her destination, and I drop her off. Uh, she giggles eerily, creepily again, and vacates my car. The stench was stuck in my nose for a good 20 minutes. And immediately after I drop her off, I roll all of my windows down, and I spray the absolute fuck out of my back seat with my cologne. The next passenger I pick up actually knows who that girl is. I explain to him what happened. He says that was his best friend's roommate whose parents moved her to Wichita to keep her in hiding. Originally, I thought she was a victim of sex trafficking with her behavior and her very off-putting vibe she left in my car. Turns out she was just schizophrenic. He goes on to explain that she has cases in other states. When I asked for clarification, he told me she has both mental and criminal cases. She has one in Florida for stalking, another in California for something else, and another in Pennsylvania for another thing. I can't make this stuff up. I wasn't afraid of her, but more like caught me off guard. I gave her a one star after the trip, which is something I never do so that we don't cross paths again, and hopefully that's the end of it. In this next bit, I'll be talking about four serial killers who are lesser known, and I'll be quoting from the website criminalelements.com. The four are Gerard Schaefer, Carl Panzram, Ronald Dominique, and Lydia Sherman. We'll start off with Gerard Schaefer. Gerard Schaefer, born in Wisconsin but living in southern Florida, Gerard Schaefer obtained his police badge at 25 years old. Schaefer used his authority as a police officer to abduct hitchhikers, more specifically teenage girls and young women, and torture, rape, and murder them. After peculiar similarities between two murdered women in an aggravated assault case Schaefer had been convicted of, his search of his house turned up lurid stories depicting violence against quote-unquote sluts and quote-unquote whores, as well as personal effects, including the teeth in one case, of at least eight missing women. Though only convicted of two counts of murder, Schaefer was linked to about 30 missing women. While serving two life sentences, Schaefer was stabbed to death in prison by a fellow inmate in 1995. Next up is Carl Panzram. Identifying himself as a rage personified, Carl Panzram lived a life of violence and crime, though not all of the crimes he claimed can be corroborated. Even if a fraction of them are true, he truly is a monster. In autobiographical documents, now housed at San Diego State University in the Malcolm A. Love Library, Panzram claims, In my lifetime, I have murdered 21 human beings. I have committed thousands of burglaries, robberies, larcenies, arsons, and last but not least, I have committed sodomy on more than 1,000 male human beings. For all these things, I am not in the least bit sorry. After killing a prison foreman, he was sentenced to death and revealed and reveled in his fate. He was finally hanged on September 5th, 1930. Ronald Dominique, known as the Bayou Serial Killer, Dominique eventually confessed to raping and murdering at least 23 men over the course of a 10-year period starting in 1997. A gay man, Dominique used to frequent the local gay bars in the Bayou Blue area 
of Huma in southeastern Louisiana and pick up men he thought would engage in sexual acts for money with him. Almost apathetically, he claims to have murdered the men after raping them because he thought it would be easier than to have them go to the authorities after the assault. To avoid the death penalty, Dominic pleaded guilty to eight counts of first-degree murder and is serving eight consecutive life sentences. Last but not least, Lydia Sherman. In the late 19th century, arsenic was all the rage among avid poisoners, especially with Lydia Sherman, who became known as the Derby Poisoner. After insuring her husband for a modest sum, she poisoned him. The successful murder, she decided that her six children were also money signs. A successful murder, she decided that her six children were also money signs, insuring and poisoning each of them as well. How seven family members died around her with no one suspecting a thing is beyond me, but she managed to marry and kill two more husbands, including the latter's two children, before being caught when the local doctor grew suspicious. She was sentenced to life in prison and died of cancer in 1878. That concludes today's four lesser-known serial killers that I'll talk about for this episode. These next few stories were submitted by listener submissions. The first one titled Weird Guy from High School. This creeper encounter was kind of prolonged and it got especially creepy at the end. I was a fairly awkward and introverted teenage girl, so my high school guidance counselor encouraged me to take theater elective in 10th grade to help me quote unquote come out of my shell. The class was terrible and miserable and I hated every single second of it, but it did more than just take me out of my comfort zone. It introduced me to a really weird guy. I wouldn't say that I really thought that this guy was a creep from the beginning. He had a fairly obvious crush on me, but he wasn't too weird about it. He wrote me the occasional note and asked me to one school dance. I told him no, and he took the rejection fairly well. He still tried to talk to me all the time, but he eventually started dating someone else and then left me alone. I assumed that the relationship lasted through 11th grade, as I only saw him occasionally and he never tried to talk to me. I went to 12th grade homecoming dance with a group of my girlfriends and we actually spent a good portion of the night dancing and really enjoying ourselves. At one point we sat down to rest and have a snack and the guy from 10th grade theater class came over and sat at our table. He seemed upset and actually started crying so I asked if he was okay. He told me that his girlfriend had just dumped him and I responded that was pretty shitty for her to do at a school dance. I guess he took this as me making a move on him because he immediately grabbed my arm yanked me up from the table and pulled me to a fairly secluded corner. He was immediately in my personal space, asking me if I would be his new date. I tried to push him away, but he had a pretty firm grip on me. And then he tried to go in for a kiss. I was in total shock as this happened and kind of froze. Luckily, one of my friends swooped in and told him that I was her date, so he should back off. He spent the rest of the evening dancing fairly close to us, but he likely didn't say anything. Flash forward to the rest of 12th grade, I didn't have classes with him, but his locker was fairly close to mine, so I unfortunately saw him a lot. He stared at me a lot, but he didn't say much to me until right before graduation where he asked me to sign my yearbook. I was afraid that he would write something weird on it, so I told him no, but I did wish him good luck in life. He responded that I was what he would miss the most about high school. I kind of forgot that he existed until about 3.5 years ago. I was in college and I got a message from someone asking me if I knew him 
than when we had spoken. Apparently she was his girlfriend. I told her that we had gone to high school together and hadn't spoken since before we graduated. She asked me why he talked about me all the time and I told her that I honestly had no idea because we weren't even friends on social media. Then she asked me why she found my first and last name in his wallet. I was incredibly confused by this and asked her what she meant and she told me that she was going through his wallet and found my first and last name on a piece of paper just sitting in his wallet. She said he denied knowing who I was and said that I must have stuck my name in his wallet as a joke when we were hanging out, which obviously never happened. I think she was expecting me to confess that he was cheating with me or something, but all I did was freak me the fuck out. I found him on social media and blocked him and then blocked her too for a good measure. Luckily, I haven't heard from him since, and this was about 11-ish years ago, but I have to wonder why he had my name in his wallet. As a side note, he was on the local news just a week or so later because his dad had met someone online and then locked her in the basement for a weekend. He was defending his dad for calling the woman a liar. I'm pretty sure that his dad wound up going to prison for kidnapping and criminal confinement so the apple didn't fall too far from the creep tree. This next story is called Stalker from years ago that still creeps me out. I had a stalker in junior high and high school. This is back in the early 2000s without being too specific. As far as I know, this guy is still out there somewhere. We met each other through an extracurricular activity group and he struck me as a shy and quiet guy. I was rather shy myself. For the time being, we had only seen each other at these extracurricular get-togethers maybe once or twice a month. I don't remember when it happened or how, but we exchanged phone numbers and he asked me to go to a dance with him at his high school since he was maybe two years older than me. Surprisingly, my mom agreed and I was genuinely excited. The day rolled around and we arrived at the town where the boy lived. The dance happened and we danced together pretty much exclusively from what I remember and maybe only once did we dance very close together. Maybe a couple months down the road, I had the opportunity to invite him to see a movie with my sisters and I, which he accepted and my parents agreed would be fine. All that happened at the time was we exchanged a few pleasantries before and after, but besides that, we only watched the movie, and I wouldn't really even consider that to have been a date. After a time, the boy started calling me almost every week, which was fun and nice at first, but he was exceedingly awkward despite how long we'd been communicating, and continued to be just as awkward to talk to no matter how many times we spoke. His voice was always so very low and soft, and he spoke almost exclusively in short sentences, letting me do most of the talking. Honestly, there wasn't much going on in my life, so we ran out of things to talk about pretty quickly, but he often kept me on the phone for about an hour each time. It came to be that after a time I would get sick of talking to him, he didn't really contribute to the conversations, and I didn't have an interesting enough life to carry it on by myself. Before anyone gets mad at me for leading him on or whatever, I was a dumb, dumb teenager raised to be nice and pleasing and not to cut people off when it suited me. One day I asked my mom if she could just call me to dinner or something when I felt like the conversation had petered out enough, and she agreed. That became my out for a long time. In addition to the phone calls, this guy also had my home address and email too. He would send me mostly funny chain letter type emails, and occasionally could write me a letter. The frequency of those was never enough to bother me, but the phone calls were really wearing me down. Later on, we moved to a different state during the summer, and the guy weaseled my new phone number and address out of me. I was kind of hoping that he'd have lost interest at this point, but that was not the case. 
The phone calls continued and I continued having my mom shout me down to dinner or some other random things after 15 to 30 minutes of awkward, mostly one-sided conversation. One afternoon out of the blue, our doorbell rang and I answered it, being the closest one to the door. To my surprise, the guy was there at the door along with a super tall male friend of his whom I didn't know or recognize. I greeted the guys with a smile and asked them what they were doing there. I didn't think it was weird at first, but the longer this interaction went on, the stranger it became. For one thing, neither said one word, and they both came towards me like they were going to push past me into the house. But once they noticed my parents were there, they kind of stopped and looked at each other as if they didn't know what to do now. Me, not getting the gravity of the situation, I invited them in and showed them the comic book I had been working on since the beginning of that summer. If the guy spoke at all, it was only very briefly, and his friend said nothing, nor was he introduced to me. Despite driven supposedly from his hometown, which would have been more than 100 miles away, mind you, they stayed only for maybe five minutes and then they both left. Only later did I fit the pieces together and realize that the picture it made was dark and sinister. I decided after we moved to a different house that I wouldn't give him my forwarding address any longer but he still had our phone number since that really hadn't changed. Maybe a year or two after the surprise visit, I was home from school at our new house when the phone rang. I answered it thinking it could be one of my friends from school, but it was the guy. I sighed, being unwilling to just tell him I didn't want to talk, and sat on the stairs with my chin in my hand, wishing my mom would come home so she can get me off the phone. After a while, a guy asked me what was wrong because I wasn't talking that much and kept yawning or sighing, so I said I'm just tired. You don't look tired. My eyes darted to all the windows that I could see him from where I sat on the stairs. Could he see me? Where was he now? How did he find our new house when I hadn't told him the address and we weren't listed in the phone book? I suddenly blurted out, I have to go. Hung up the phone, ran upstairs, locked myself in the bathroom, and called my mom. I was terrified that the next thing I would hear was the glass breaking and him coming in to find me in the house. Mom told me not to move, and she would be home in a few minutes. I should have called the cops, honestly. The next time he called, only a few days later, and acted like he hadn't been a creepy asshole all at just one phone call ago, I told him flat out that if he ever called me again, I would call the police. I'm still afraid of this guy. I don't know how he found me, and I'm a little afraid he could find me again. I am still afraid of this guy. I don't know how he found me, and I'm a little afraid he could find me again. I am no longer a huge pushover and state my boundaries whenever people push me, but I don't honestly know what I'd do if this were to happen again, nor do I know what he would do if he found me. This next story is called, A Stranger Called My Job Claiming to Be My Father. A few years ago, I worked as a front desk representative in a really nice hotel and would regularly work the evening shift. One day I come into work as usual and one of my managers says, hey, your dad called here at work not sure what for. I said, hmm, okay, thanks, I'll give him a call. So I do. He tells me he never called. Weird. Anyways, I called my stepfather next and talked to him. Not only does he say he didn't call me at work, but he said he would call my cell phone if he needed me. Duh. At this point, I'm freaked out. I talked to my manager and I asked who had taken the call. One of the front desk reps. Okay, cool, I'll talk to that person. So I talked to this other front desk person and asked if they had given away my information about me. Nope. I sighed with a little relief, but this creep still knows where I work. I shrug it off and that's that. Except not really. 
this fucking creep frequently for weeks asking for me still claiming to be my father. At this point, everyone knew not to acknowledge that I even existed when the creep called, but it was too late. He already knew I worked there. A week into this guy calling, I approached my managers and said I was sorry, but that I could no longer work evening shifts as I felt unsafe after work walking to the bus station. I never felt that way until this creep began calling work. Anyways, he eventually gave up and never heard of him again, not even so much as a name. Still creeps me out to this day. That's all we have for today. Thank you guys for listening to our stories. Uh, be sure to tune in in a couple of weeks to hear more creepy unsettling stories. You may submit your stories at ominouswhispers2021 at gmail.com. Again, my name is Vincent Rivera. Um, I apologize for not uploading for a while as I've had to work around a crazy schedule. Um, I do want to thank you for your patience, and I will try to keep it more consistent. You can expect another episode coming out in a couple of weeks. Have a good week, and be safe.